0: The Indianapolis Colts have agreed to trade Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. He's a top 15 quarterback. He whispers about him have been, he's not really a great teammate. They
1: believe that he's a guy that can win them football games in a down division. ESPN, ESPN Radio. Radio.
2: This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, series XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance I'm Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. You can also give us a shout. Enjoy the conversation on the call, and Canty call in line. We're calling it 1888, say ESPN. That is 888 We are asking you who has a better shot of making it out of the East in the NBA, Brooklyn or Philly. It's almost tournament time. Tune in tonight for the ACC semifinals. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Oh, so who cares been...
1: about that tournament? UVA's out of <laughs> it. Who cares out. about that You're tournament? Out of doesn't the matter. Who cares? tournament now. Who cares? I, I wasn't care. going to bring up your matter.
2: heartbreak, Chris Canty. I was just going to gloss over it. But if you want to talk about it, do you want to get it off your chest? No, I you, you know could? what,
1: Amber? I didn't want to talk about it. But one Seth Greenberg, who was on Get Up This Morning when I happened to be there, decided to throw out the fact that UVA only scored 13 points in the first half of yesterday's loss to Carolina. Nobody asked him about UVA. He was talking about ben T- the Big Ten tournament in Iowa and just so happened to throw out the fact that UVA only scored 13 points. I mean, I, I don't know if I could have continued with the show. I, at that point, I, I really wanted to go put hands on Seth Greenberg. That's how upset I was that he was talking about my guys like that. Completely unnecessary shot by coach. But that just lets you know, that there's still a little bit of that Virginia Tech-Virginia rivalry that's in him, and he took, a, took an opportunity to take a shot at my guys. So, I'm not, Car- for, I'm not going to forget it.
2: So Carolina did beat Canty's Virginia Cavaliers by 20 points last night, 63-43, to 43, just to pour salt in the wounds. Let's hear that moment from Seth Greenberg on Get Up This Morning with Chris Canty.
0: They blew out Northwestern yesterday. We'll see if they make a run here. Well, Virginia scored 13 points yesterday in the first half. Iowa had 62. sixty-two points against Northwest. Yeah, Iowa. I completely Sorry, agree. Sorry, the big fellow over there. That's the a He's yes. a lot much bigger than me. You should see how angry Chris Canty looks on the other side of our studio. Do we have a shot of that? a yellow Chris. He's got. An issue. I worked there in '84. We went to the final four. It was, it was a great place. Wait, let me ask you about the other side of it. Who should we be watching? So I,
1: I got to ask you guys because Amber, maybe I was tripping. I don't think I was, but maybe I was tripping. He was talking about Iowa and Northwestern and Big Ten basketball. He just took a, a shot at UVA. like 13... Guys, am I tripping on this one? Because it just I mean, seems he, like he went he, he way out context, of the way. Right? He went way out of the way to bring UVA into a conversation that they had no business being in. Shannon, I mean, it was... guys behind the glass, we're going to need to put this to a vote. Was Seth Greenberg wrong for taking a shot at my guys? Yes or no? Guys behind the
2: glass?
1: Wow, to, to like, wow, spark, wow. Okay, crowd, I, now I see okay. how it is. Okay. We're supposed to be brothers, Shannon. We're supposed to be brothers. But anyway, I digress. I needed to get that off my chest, Amber. I thought well, I was going to have a shoulder, friends to lean on, but I see I'm out here on the island by myself today on ESPN Radio in the afternoons.
2: We will talk more about college basketball coming up. We will have Bob Valvano on with us later in the show. So we will get back to pouring salt in Chris Canty's wounds coming off of that ACC tournament. And then, of course, we take you up to the ACC tournament. Virginia is no longer in. We take you up to that coverage beginning at 630 Eastern right here on most ESPN radio stations. But let's take a break. Let's talk about Chris Canty's former sport here in the NFL. We'll distract you a bit with some Colts and Steelers talk because with the quarterback shuffling that's happened thus far, Carson Wentz obviously is in Washington. Aaron Rodgers didn't go anywhere. He's staying in Green Bay. Russell Wilson, he's in Seattle, but has left some glaring needs still around the NFL. So let's start here with the Indianapolis Colts. We have no idea now since they traded away Wentz, who is going to be starting under center for them this next season? Chris Candy, who should it be?
1: I'm going to say that it needs to be the Colts. The Colts got to get something done because they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have the draft capital to go out there and get one of those young signal callers out of the college ranks. So I feel like they've got to be creative. They've got to be aggressive in trying to find an upgrade at the quarterback position. Now, I will give their general manager, Chris Ballard, some credit. He's not going to make a move like trading their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, without having a couple of moves that he can make in mind to be able to land a quarterback that they believe is an upgrade. Obviously, the trade target that everybody's been talking about is Jimmy Garoppolo. Because of the presence of Trey Lance out there in San Francisco, we're assuming That the 49ers are going to move off of him sometime soon. 49ers also signed Nate Sudfeld as a backup quarterback. So it feels like the writing is on the wall with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. He's going to be available for trade. He'll be on the block. That could potentially be an option. But I also floated out the idea of Kirk Cousins, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday on our show, with the Minnesota Vikings being where they are uh, up against the salary cap. They have the fourth worst salary cap situation with days to go before the start of the new league year and Kirk Cousins poised to have a $45 million cap hit for that team in 2022, it seems like trading Kirk Cousins makes a whole lot of sense. The organization doesn't seem to want to extend him, which could also potentially lower his cap number for 2022. So if you're not going to extend him, an easy way to get your salary cap under control would be to flip Kirk Cousins for a bevy picks, See if you can flee somebody for a first-rounder, maybe multiple picks, and be able to build out your team that way. And based on what we've heard from Jim Ursay via Twitter and what he said about quarterbacks and their offense being able to score points, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that we could be talking about Chris Ballard trading a future first-round draft pick or future draft picks in order to get their hands on a quarterback like Kirk Cousins to be able to bolster that offense a little bit.
2: I'm with you. It feels like Ballard has to have something in the works here. Now the Colts have the most cap space in the NFL, and I don't know why you would move on from Wentz unless you had somewhere else to go because the Colts are in a win now type of position but I also don't know where you're going to go because you and I had a working theory that maybe Jordan Love would be a target for the Colts and Diana Rossini kind of took a flamethrower to our theory and said apparently that they are not interested she also said that they have trepidations around Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of that shoulder injury I understand why the Colts don't want to find themselves in a situation with another oft-injured quarterback and more turnover potentially at that at that position uh, down the line I don't like Kirk Cousins is a fit for them. I know you and I did discuss some of this yesterday. I was looking for them to take more of a young kind of quarterback, which is why I thought maybe like a Jordan love somebody that they could maybe develop over, you know, 15 years that could maybe take the helm at that position since they've had what six different guys starting in six years. And so they need some sort of continuity there. But Chris, what if I throw out something crazy and, and I understand trading away a quarterback within the AFC probably isn't super realistic, but what about if there's somebody else in the works that we're not thinking of right now because they don't seem available like a Derek Carr for example where Josh McDaniel is out here yeah that's my guy when he assumes that role but you have a new GM you have a new head coach so you've got all new brass there and Derek Carr has a contract negotiation that should be happening right now as you and I are having this conversation because he's only got one year left on of his deal if those negotiations aren't going well then maybe there's a situation where the Raiders move on from him
1: uh, that's a possibility. I, I'd be interested to see what happens. Now, the Raiders are not up against the cap like the Minnesota Vikings are, but it's a similar circumstance in terms of a new regime, and it's not outside of the realm of possibility that the new regime wants to have their own guy at quarterback, and they might not be sold on the incumbent. So from that perspective, and also the fact that you are in a situation where Derek Carr is in the last year of his deal – There could be something to that. The only thing that I would say, just to push back on that, Amber, is that Josh McDaniels, I'm not sure that he would take the job with the Las Vegas Raiders unless he was sold on Derek Carr being the guy moving forward. It's a season that we all praise Derek Carr for because of all the adversity that this team had to overcome and his leadership role as a part of that process. I don't know that you would want to move on from a guy like Derek Carr because it's going to be, able to, it's going to be hard to replace that kind of production. Right now, Derek Carr is a top-10 quarterback in the National Football League. You're not going to find too many people that are going to push back on that fact. So if you got a guy that's in the top-10 at the quarterback spot, then you've got a guy that can help your team compete for a championship. So I get it. The market is the market for quarterbacks. It's 40000000 million-plus on average annual value. But I think Derek Carr, based on the season that he had, and dragging his team to the playoffs has earned the right to have one of those contracts.
2: We haven't even gotten to the Steelers Steelers yet, so we'll go ahead and do that next. Plus, how does a grand jury hearing evidence in a case involving Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson impact his timetable this offseason? All of that's next here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. So before the break, we were talking about potential quarterback vacancies, teams that are still out there searching for their guy to start next season. On that list would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's go ahead and talk about where they could take this because, Chris, I'm pretty down on the Steelers for, frankly, not having a better backup plan behind Big Ben, right? I mean, we all saw the writing on the wall. I know they were hoping that a new OC would maybe have a resurgence here for Big Ben's career, but he wasn't aging at the same rate as Tom Brady. I guess he hadn't been slamming that TB12 protein powder to the same (laughs) depth, right? So... Big Ben looked like he did not have as much left in the tank as some of these other guys out here still playing in their late thirties. And that certainly proved to be true this season. And I was surprised that because of that, the Steelers didn't have a better backup plan. It seems I, I, and right now, frankly, their options are starting to diminish even more. They were one of, they were in the sweepstakes for Russell Wilson reportedly. And they were one of those destinations people talked about for Aaron Rodgers. And none of that of course is coming to fruition.
1: And Amber, you know, it's one of those situations that we see around the National Football League with teams that hang on to legendary quarterbacks a season or two longer than they probably should. They end up in a situation like Pittsburgh, where you've got salary cap issues that you try to get under control. You've got constraints. You can't necessarily find a succession plan for that quarterback. And your team is not bad enough where you're picking at the top of the draft, where you find – most of your franchise quarterbacks. So it's a situation now where there aren't a lot of easy answers as to what what the quarterback situation is going to look like in Pittsburgh. But I can promise you this, it won't be Mason Rudolph and it won't be Dwayne Haskins as QB1 to start off week one. I just don't see that happening. And so with the lack of available options via the trade market or free agency that seem attractive for the Steelers, I, I think they go with the NFL draft. I think they go all in on one of these prospects, and I know our Todd McShay has linked Malik Willis from Liberty University, the quarterback out of there, to the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 20th overall pick. I could absolutely see an organization like Pittsburgh that's had success with quarterbacks on rookie deals, keeping in mind that Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl in year two as a Steeler. I could absolutely see a scenario where they draft Malik Willis and they build out the entire offense around what that young man does well, which is the ability to use his legs not only as an opportunity to extend the down in passing situations, but also as a threat to run. With Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, it seems like that would be an interesting mix of young talent on the offensive side of the ball. And the other part about it is it allows the Pittsburgh Steelers some flexibility to supplement their roster in areas that they need to, namely along the offensive line and free agency or some of these guys that could be available via trade because of salary cap constraints for other teams. So I think it's really interesting for the Steelers. They're not a team that that typically goes out and takes big swings for quarterbacks in the trade market or in free agency. So I would look for them to look toward the draft in order to solve their quarterback problem.
2: The thing is, you mentioned that they have the 20th pick. Maybe now that could, what, be like the second quarterback off the board? They were certainly helped here a little bit by Washington trading then for Carson Wentz because a lot of people had the commanders taking a quarterback in this draft. We don't know what the Houston Texans are going to do. Are they going to need to take a quarterback in this draft with the third pick in this draft? Because, of course, we don't know the situation with Deshaun Watson. So let's go ahead and bring that up here because Deshaun Watson – Today, there were prosecutors presenting evidence to a 12 person grand jury. Where the grand jury was expected to make a decision whether to indict Deshaun Watson, whether basically he's going to be charged with crimes or not. We should get that answer at some point. Those deliberations can take all day today. They could bleed into Monday. They could even maybe possibly bleed into Tuesday. So we may not get that answer until early next week. Also, Deshaun Watson was deposed today in the civil cases. He pled the fifth uh, reportedly 150 times or something, (laughs) uh, according to Busby according to uh, the lawyer representing the women. So he pled the fifth, you know, uh, which is to be expected because of the ongoing criminal investigation until there's a resolution there. So Deshaun Watson's situation, there may be answers. I have been surprised, though, how this has been discussed here over the last, say, 48 hours, because a lot of people are expecting here that the grand jury is going to come back no charges and then immediately somebody's going to trade for him tomorrow. And even if Deshaun Watson is not indicted here and he's not being charged with a crime, it doesn't mean by any means that he won't suffer a uh, suspension at the hands of the NFL because the sure. NFL yeah. of course has not investigated yet. They've stayed out of the way because of the impending criminal investigation and they they always have a a, a rule where they don't have their own investigation in a manner in which it could impede on a criminal investigation, right? So they go ahead and and wait until a criminal investigation is concluded. And so we will get that conclusion one way or another. But then you would expect the NFL to... Hand down some sort of suspension. Like with the Ben Roethlisberger situation years ago, for example, Roger Goodell handed down a suspension of Ben Roethlisberger one week later, even though he was never charged with anything, uh, and the prosecutors decided not to move forward against mm-hmm. him at the time. So maybe in a week's time, whatever, it may move quickly with the NFL. We may finally get some answers here in terms of a suspension. But right now, as it stands, we won't have that yet. Even if we hear today he's not being charged with crimes. Of course, on the flip side, he could very well be charged with crimes. And the problem, I will say, from the legal perspective, is when the DA is taking your case to the grand jury, it's not typically good news. It's not typically good news for Deshaun Watson's camp. Now, Deshaun Watson's (laughs) camp is reporting that they feel very optimistic. There's an old adage that a a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. Because the way grand (laughs) juries work, that's an old adage amongst lawyers, because the way grand juries work is the prosecutor goes in there, Chris, and she gets to present all of her evidence... There, there, There's witnesses, these women, the victims, the alleged victims are testifying against him. He doesn't get to be there. He doesn't get to present his case, and he doesn't get to defend against it. So it's pretty easy in those situations. It's more often than not a grand jury is, in fact, going to indict somebody. It doesn't mean that they're guilty. It just starts the process, obviously, of going down that road eventually towards a trial. And so we will get some answers. It ain't good news, though, frankly, that this is in front of the grand jury today. But even if he is not indicted, I would still expect at some point the NFL has to make a decision on a suspension, and then somebody has to trade for him.
1: I'm just sitting there thinking about it more often than not, more likely than not, the irony that that is the language when it comes to the burden of proof in civil cases, and that's what led us down this path with Deshaun Watson now facing criminal charges as we speak. And so that's the interesting part about this whole grand jury thing. But Amber, as you're running through all of the legal ease and the different scenarios that Watson and his legal team could be facing. If I'm an NFL team with all of that uncertainty, it makes me realize that I can't formulate my offseason plan at the quarterback position. If I'm in need of a quarterback around what happens to Deshaun Watson, I've got to have something else as my plan. A. and if Deshaun Watson happens to be available, then your organization could decide to pivot. But right now, Based on what you have in front of you, what is what Deshaun Watson is dealing with, I have a hard time seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers or any team saying that we're going to wait this out for Deshaun Watson, and then once he becomes available, make a play. I think that these teams are starting to put their plans for the quarterback position in pencil, and if Deshaun Watson does become available and the legal issues get cleared up, then they can make the decision to go in that direction, but... I still stand by what I said earlier about the Steelers. This is a draft-and-develop organization. They really don't spend big money in free agency. Every now and again, you'll see them make a trade, i.e. Minka Fitzpatrick, but I could absolutely see a scenario where they draft Malik Willis because the physical traits, the dominant traits are there. He's got a huge arm. You saw that he was one of the quarterbacks that didn't have any problems throwing the ball down in the senior bowl when it was inclement weather, and he showed off that arm at the combine in Indy last week waiting for those receivers to get further downfield on those goal routes just to show all the scouts how far he could sling it. So Malik Willis definitely seems like a guy that has what it takes to be a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. I, I like the fit there with that player, especially given the division and some of the young quarterbacks that that have those same dominant traits that they're going to be up against. So. Malik Willis would be my vote, but it's going to be a long offseason. We'll have to wait and see what direction Mike Tomlin and company go.
2: The Texans probably wouldn't trade Deshaun Watson to the Steelers. It seems like the Panthers or the Seahawks would be a more likely destination there. This situation with Deshaun Watson maybe gets even more complicated if he is indicted for a misdemeanor and not the heightened crime because then also we're still talking about a position where maybe a team could trade for him, but then what happens in terms of a commissioner's exempt list This situation is certainly ongoing, and we will keep you updated on it. And if we get any news here today from the grand jury right now that is hearing uh, the Deshaun Watson matter. ESPN Radio is brought to you by CSX. Join CSX, a company on the move, csx.com slash careers. Who is the next big domino to watch for in Major League Baseball? Free agency, that's next. This is ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: Baseball is back, which means... So is MLB free agency. This is ESPN radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN radio is presented to you by progressive insurance. So for All things MLB free agency. Let's turn to David Schoenfield, ESPN's senior MLB writer. And David, you have an article on the .dot .com right now where you rank and you predict the top remaining free agents out there. Not to spoil anything from your article, but you have Carlos Correa as your number one remaining free agent. Is there an obvious fit out there for him?
0: Well, look, obviously he's the best player out there. He's the youngest player out there. He's going to demand a lot of money. Corey, Corey Seager got 325 million, so I think that's what Curry is going to be shooting for. So, while a lot of teams need a shortstop, that's going to limit right who can bid on them? I predicted the Cubs for this reason: they need a shortstop, they have a ton of money to spend, even though they're kind of rebuilding. Um, they have spent some money this off season, indicating they're not completely waiting to win. They signed Marcus Stroman. So I have Korea going to the Cubs. They need a power hitter. They need a franchise-type player. There are going to be other teams bidding on them, but let's let's go for the Cubs. But I'm all for one because I had Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees, and he signed. Uh, he just signed with the Giants.
1: David, as a part of the new CBA, we finally have the universal DH, and let's face it, nobody wanted to sign up to see the pitcher hit in the National <laughs> League. I'm glad baseball is moving past that, but – As far as the free agents go, what does that new sign for the Universal DH mean for guys like Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, guys that are professional hitters but not necessarily guys that are known for their glove? What does that do for their value on the free agent market?
0: Yeah, it's huge because you have double the number of teams, right, that that will be bidding for those guys. And I'll throw in Nelson Cruz in there as well. Those are the Mm -hmm. three guys clearly – most affected, you know, who mostly would be viewed as AL-only players. Now they can play in either league. And, again, a lot of teams don't like to commit to a full-time DH. They like to rotate players through. But more teams bidding for you means, you know, the better chance you get a little more money. So, yeah, there's going to be big interest, especially in Schwarber and Castellanos, Nelson Cruz, getting up there a little bit in age. But a lot of interest in those three guys.
2: You mentioned that Rodon went to the Giants. You had him going to the Yanks. So where do you see the Yankees going now in free agency?
0: Yeah, that's, they're kind of a big question out there because they didn't make any major moves pre-lockout. We know they need a shortstop, right? They've committed to, to moving Glaber Torres to second base. They have a couple of really good prospects uh, coming up, but those guys are more 2023 or 2024, so... What do they do at shortstop? Do they look for a short-term, you know, temporary solution? Or do they throw money at Carlos Correa or Trevor Story? We don't know. It's, it's hard to read what, what they're doing. They need a hitter. Their offense really struggled last year. I think they were 10th in the AL in runs scored. Uh, aside from that, I thought they were players on Rodon. Everybody needs starting pitching. Um, but that market's pretty thin. You still have Clayton Kershaw. you got Zach Granke, two older guys. Um, so I don't know. It, it seems like Correa is going to go somewhere else, but you never know with the Yankees cause they do have the money to spend if they want to spend it.
1: And that's what I was going to ask you, David, because I'm a Yankees fan and, and I know <laughs> how this team is operated when it comes to the luxury tax threshold. They've yep. used it as a hard salary cap. And so I'm wondering if they do go out and spend big money on a guy like Trevor story to come step in and play shortstop. What does that mean for a guy like Aaron judge? who is in the last year of his contract and the last year of team control, who will be a free agent after the 2022 season. What does that mean for him? Is there enough money to go around considering some of the other huge contracts that they have on their payroll?
0: Yeah, no, that's the big question. Exactly. You know, with all the money committed to Garrett Cole, Giancarlo Carl Stanton is still signed for a lot of years. They DJ you know, they, DJ DJ'd 90 million last year. He didn't really live up to that deal at least in year one. So, yeah, that's what the Yankees are balancing here. And as you alluded to, their unwillingness to blow past the luxury tax like the Mets are already doing this year, um, that limits their flexibility. So, like they might be able to get a guy like Story, who who's coming off kind of a bad year. He had a little shoulder injury. There is some feeling that Story might sign a one-year deal to try to rebuild his value so he would be a potential placeholder. Um, but yeah, Carlos Correa, I think's out of the picture. And if story wants a longer term deal, I don't think it's going to be with the Yankees.
1: David, another player that that's been linked to the Yankees, as well as several other teams is Freddie Freeman. It seems like there's going to be a robust market for the newly minted world yeah. champion. Where, where do you think best guess Freddie Freeman ends up, uh, uh this season playing baseball?
0: Yeah, so it's hard to predict these things. The three logical teams, but there's never any logic to free agency, are the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Now, we all know the Yankees, they could use another left-handed hitter. That's why he makes a lot of sense. He's not going to cost as much as a Carlos Correa because he's a lot older. Um, It seems hard that he would leave the Braves. It's hard to envision that, but... As I point out, if when a superstar player like Freeman hits free agency, they almost never return to their team. They almost always go somewhere else. So I do predict that Freeman's going to leave the Braves. I predicted the Dodgers. Um, again, this is where that DH comes into play. They can they can play Freeman at first and DH Max Muncie, so you have that flexibility there um but yeah a lot of look yankees dodgers or the braves i think it's gonna be one of those three teams
2: espn senior writer david schoenfield david thanks so much for joining us
0: you bet anytime thanks
2: so coming up next we haven't given the cowboys much love this week everyone else has been stealing the headlines shockingly we haven't talked about them much this week so let's go ahead and do that that's next here on espn radio
1: ESPN Radio.
2: ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. We have breaking news here because what would be another day here of this NFL offseason, Chris Canty, without breaking news out of the National Football League? The headlines never stop. The latest headline being. That the grand jury returned nine no bills on the nine criminal complaints presented uh, in Harris County against Deshaun Watson. What that means, Deshaun Watson is not being charged with any crimes. So we do have the answer from the grand jury. We had talked about it earlier in the show. The prosecutor was presenting all the evidence to the grand jury. The grand jury has chosen not to indict Deshaun Watson on any crime. So Deshaun Watson now still does, of course, have to deal with the 22 civil lawsuits that are pending in civil court, but this will not become a criminal matter against Deshaun Watson. I would imagine, Chris Canty, that even though, again, because we have talked about it, we don't know the suspension, that this gets us much closer to Deshaun Watson being traded
1: it certainly does but amber i wanted to ask you what does it mean in terms of the implications on the civil cases because i I guess if you know just just as a novice as somebody that's on the outside looking in uh, i'm not a lawyer I, i didn't stay at a holiday inn last night i'm just curious as to what this means in terms of the merit of the civil cases and all of a sudden now does that push the two sides closer to potentially settling those civil cases so Deshaun Watson could put all of this behind him and make it a lot clearer for a team that could potentially be interested in him in the future
2: staying at a holiday Inn is a heck of a lot cheaper than going to law school. But the real answer is <laughs> the real answer is nothing. This has nothing to do with it because the criminal uh, potential criminal case and the civil cases have nothing to do with one another other than what you saw from Deshaun Watson today being deposed where he took the fifth over a hundred times in his deposition because of the pending criminal matter. Now he wouldn't necessarily need to do that again. He wouldn't be allowed to do that again because there's no pending criminal action against it. Otherwise, they're totally, wholly unrelated. Now. Now that's the legal answer. The answer in reality is this probably doesn't make uh, the opposing party feel you know particularly great about their positioning. The standards are different in civil court than they are in criminal court. Just because it's not criminal doesn't mean that there won't be a liability on the civil side. But in all reality, this certainly, I would imagine, probably makes Deshaun Watson's camp feel pretty good about his position in terms of just maybe the lack of evidence, generally speaking, which you also need evidence in civil cases as well.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: Another day and more breaking news out of the NFL. This is Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So a grand jury has returned... Nine no bills on the nine criminal complaints presented to the Harris County Grand Jury. Basically, this will conclude the criminal proceedings against Deshaun Watson. What this means, Chris Canty, Deshaun Watson is not being charged with a crime. He still has the 22 civil actions pending against him in civil court. Those are unrelated, but he will not be charged with a crime. These allegations will not become criminal in nature. I would imagine that this does open up the clock now. We still have no idea in terms of a trade for Deshaun Watson. We still have no idea what... It would look like in terms of a suspension, but this allows the NFL now to get the ball rolling on that. They had stopped investigating the matter themselves or issuing any sort of suspension because of the pending criminal investigation. They never want to get in the way of a criminal investigation. Now the criminal investigation is out of the way. They're not going to get in the way of anything. And so they can go ahead and proceed with whatever investigating they still need to do. And then issuing a suspension I had mentioned earlier in the show, that back with the Ben Roethlisberger allegations, back when he also was not charged with a crime um, for an incident years ago, but it took the commissioner one week from the time the prosecutor made that decision not to bring charges against Ben Roethlisberger. It took the commissioner one week to issue a six-game suspension. So we could still be looking at a little time here, but we know, of course, with the league year opening, this absolutely gets the ball rolling. And there's some school of thought, Chris Canty, that this is actually why the prosecutor did this now today and went ahead and got this out of the way is that everybody was trying to get this done for the benefit of Deshaun Watson knowing when the new league year starts and knowing also that there is a trade issue that you have brought up to me before and you can go ahead and present that on air because we might have talked about this off air but there's a unique trade issue no one's talking about with the Houston Texans also in terms of a timeline
1: well yeah Dan Graziano brought this up a couple of weeks ago on get up and it's one of those things that people don't Mention when it comes to the Deshaun Watson situation, but on the fifth day of the new league year, which is March 20th, Deshaun Watson is guaranteed a sizable portion of his future salary on his contract. And so much so to the point where it would incentivize the Houston Texans to try to make a deal happen prior to that date, just so they wouldn't be responsible for it. Because the one thing that we can say with the news that we got today is that Deshaun Watson potentially being placed on the commissioner's exempt list um, for the criminal investigation or the criminal proceedings that could have potentially followed had he been indicted is off the table. So the Houston Texans couldn't potentially go after the signing bonus or that they gave Deshaun Watson in that new contract extension because of criminal liability. So I I just think from that standpoint – It clears the decks for the Houston Texans and any of the other teams that were interested in Deshaun Watson to try to start reengaging in talks about what it would take, the framework of what a trade would look like for Deshaun. I think it's really interesting now. There are a lot of quarterback needy teams that are out there and some teams that, quite frankly, are just looking to upgrade at the quarterback position that are now going to be paying close attention to what happens with Deshaun Watson and, more importantly, what Nick Casario is going to want for Deshaun Watson because we all know there's still going to be some uncertainty with the civil cases that are still pending and then the impending suspension that we're assuming that Roger Goodell is going to levy. But if you're one of these teams that's looking for a long-term solution at the quarterback position, as far as top-end talent goes, it doesn't get much richer than a guy like Deshaun Watson. You're talking about a player in his mid-20s that was top five at the position the last time we saw him on the football field.
2: He's what, 26 years old? So not only was he a top five talent in his position, but he's a very young talent as well and has a whole lot of years left to completely turn around a franchise or to contribute to one right away if that franchise is already in a win now type of position. Absolutely, I would expect the NFL to issue some sort of suspension. There are reports that the NFL has already talked to 10 of the accusers, has interviewed 10 of them. They have yet to talk to Deshaun Watson, again, in part because they're stepping back. They are waiting for the conclusion of the criminal investigation. So there are still things here that the NFL may need to do as part of its investigation where we're not going to immediately get an answer here. Of how long Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for if, in fact, a suspension is issued. So, Chris Canty, how can you trade for Deshaun Watson? Realistically, yes, we're talking about an unbelievable talent at a a prime age. And those guys don't just become available every day by any means at that position. But the downside is... Could be suspended a couple games, could be suspended half a season, could be suspended an entire season. I mean, how are you weighing giving up draft capital when we're talk, probably talking about first-round picks kind of draft capital and whatever else is thrown in there to the Texans without knowing how long until he's able to be available to your team?
1: Well, well, well with the, the criminal investigation coming to a halt, I, I have a hard time believing that we're talking about Deshaun Watson being taken off the field For an entire year, seeming as how he was off the field for an entire year last season, although he did get paid by the Houston Texans. So, I mean, here's the thing, Amber, even if Deshaun is suspended for half the season, if you're talking about eight or nine games, you're still talking about getting a 26 year old quarterback who in his last full season in the NFL led the league in passing 33 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. The guy's phenomenal. You're not making this trade for the 2022 season. You're making this trade for what you get from him in 2022, but also the next decade plus. That's what you have to keep in mind. So, I I mean, I still think the trade market is going to be there for Deshaun Watson. We're talking about multiple first-round picks. I, I, I don't even... You know what, Amber? It could potentially rise to the level of three first-round picks, which brings teams like Philadelphia into the equation, a team that has, what, three first-round picks in just this draft alone? And I think they've got four first-round picks when you factor in 2023. So that's a team that could potentially be looking to upgrade a playoff-caliber squad with a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts. They could make a decision to go out and take an aggressive swing at Deshaun Watson. Because guys like this just don't become available. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to be in the quarterback market. They're also in the NFC and not the AFC. Mm -hmm. So maybe Nick Casario looks to move him out of the conference, and that could be a landing spot. Seattle just got a haul for Russell Wilson from the Denver Broncos. Maybe that could be a landing spot. So there are a lot of places that you could look at in, in terms of destinations for Deshaun Watson. To me, the one that seems the most obvious would be the Philadelphia Eagles just because of the draft capital that they have thanks to the Carson Wentz trade that they made two years ago.
2: I should clarify one thing. Technically, there's still a way that Deshaun Watson could be charged if the prosecutor decided to circumvent the decision by the grand jury in Texas. It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly unlikely. So it seems like the ball is rolling now in terms of a Deshaun Watson trade. It'll be interesting to see how this develops. More on the breaking Deshaun Watson news next going forward.